RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me as usual is Brian. Hello, Dusty. How's it going? It's going well. And Mike. Howdy, Dusty. So today, we are talking about session three of our Savage Worlds East Texas University game, Shock Jock. Uh, again, Shock Jock is one of those uh, one sheets. And uh, let's go ahead and start off with the ratings before I give any give away any spoilers. I want those at home to hear the numbers. So, uh, Brian, why don't we start with you? Um, I'm probably going to give it a higher score than you think. Uh, I prob- honestly would probably give this one an eight. Wow. Yeah. What? Wow. I heavily RP'd in this one. and That's true. Yeah. You did. Okay. Mike. Hmm. So I'm going to say five just because we had such a hard time get the, getting this game going, just, just getting momentum behind it. But it, now that I think it, about it. it it's, this one was like for my character, and I know it was almost like a, a lob that was just easily served up for, for my character. It was like it was written for him. You know, I, I could see that. I would say if we've had to have a, a Brian's character episode of East Texas University, this was definitely your character's episode. I will say this, Brian, you crashed this one out of the park oh yeah you nailed it oh really you, you saved me yeah oh you sweet. absolutely saved me i would rate the session to two. Oh no i enjoyed it so for me it was awful and i'll tell you why it was awful i did a terrible job well you know what let's start with audio let's start with audio my bad i want to i want to keep checking in as we as we do savage worlds the whole point of that game is to run remotely and talk about how we do it at running remotely i think all in all this one was good except for one thing we're buying you a computer after we finish recording the show. <laughs> we literally are. We literally we are. We literally are, because my wife okayed it. Um, my crappy computer can't run Discord. Which is shocking. I don't know how your computer can run freaking Skype, but not Discord. It's funny. Discord is too much of a resource hog for my laptop. It's funny when we play, when we talked to Tanner for that uh, show that we did a couple weeks back, um, you were watching me scroll through Skype, and you were shocked that it actually scrolled smoothly. Yes, I was. It was. It's absurd. I, I don't know how my computer. I'm like, you know, I have a job. I have money I can spend <laughs> on a laptop. How did my laptop get so out of date? And I guess the answer is I mostly use my phone and tablet. You stop it's, gaming. I, I don't. Yeah, and when I game, I game on a console. And you code on a Raspberry Pi. That's yeah. true too. So I don't have a reason to have a great laptop. Your anymore. laptop was fine. We picked it out just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah my ThinkPad. So, but I've got to, I've got to get a new one now because with Windows Seven it was fine. Windows Ten it's garbage. Whatever. The point is, for those of you at home who may not know this, evidently Discord more of a resource hog than Skype. Because Skype, once you get it in call mode, it runs fine. Runs just fine. Video, audio, whatever runs fine. Discord not so much. Discord I kept locking up and, and dropping out. So I'm gonna upgrade my actual laptop. You know, I'll tell you another problem, guys, with my laptop. The screen real estate is so small that even when we played with Tanner, keeping the Skype up to see everyone's face, which is important to me when I game, and keeping um, Roll20 up to see his kind of PowerPoint slide-ish you know, implementation of Roll20 yep. was a challenge on, on my, on my itty-bitty little monitor. 
So are we buying Dusty a 4K laptop? I think we're either going to have to buy him a 4K laptop or we're going to have to find him a solution with a dock and a monitor. But we may be buying him a 4K laptop. My wife okayed it. And unlike, so last time she okayed it and then she rescinded and said, just upgrade it. This time she had to use it and she's like, okay, upgrade it. And I totally undersold it. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I was like, all right, honey. And I haven't said a word about it since. So when I come home today and I tell her I spent a couple thousand on a laptop, I can just, well, you said a couple weeks ago you were fine with it. You said for me to pick it out. So I'm I'm fully going to leverage that. I'm kind of giddy that we're about to help Dusty buy a 4K laptop. (laughs) We'll see. I am am going to set an upper limit on this. All right. I haven't spent a couple thousand dollars on a laptop in 15 years. It's been since like 2003 since I spent that much on a laptop. Yeah, I've never even spent that much on a desktop. (laughs) (laughs) So important topic, all all joking aside, important topic because this whole series about, about our Savage Worlds East Texas University game is about online gaming. And one barrier to entry that you might not expect is you need some pretty decent hardware. And you also need a really decent connection. Like, I actually had to uh, hardwire my laptop. My laptop has to be plugged into an Ethernet cable so that, you know, it can run the, the decent, it can stream and get everyone's video and send up my video. So uh, you need a pretty decent setup to support the online gaming as I'm learning. No problem for these guys because PC gaming is in their blood, Mike. Yep. <laughs> I just, I'm a hardware nut. But for me, you know, if, if you're like me, and you have just enough hardware to get by, and, and your laptop's not even that critical to you, you're, you're more of a phone and tablet person, you might need to think about an upgrade to seriously pursue gaming online. What if you What if you did it on a tablet? So Roll20 costs more, and how are you going to run Skype and Roll20 side by side? Uh, my tablet does. I can show two things on my screen at once. And just to say, Discord is also free on your phone, but the problem there is your uh, your microphone quality may not be exactly my what you want it to be. My microphone quality is phenomenal on my phone and your phone because we have the well, same phone. because we have awesome phones. So unless you have an awesome phone with an awesome microphone, you might not get the best results using Discord through your phone. Yeah. You know what? Brian, I challenge you. Okay. Our, our game on Thursday, do it in split screen mode okay. on your phone. Okay. And and we're not going to do anything on Roll20, but I'll sign into Roll20 and I'll... I'll you know, set up a skeleton of a game that you can join just so you can, you know, run the game in split screen mode. See what I it feels accept that like challenge and grab some screenshots. I think you're going to need to like set up a, a web camera over your shoulder so you can record yourself. <laughs> I've, playing. Got, I've only got five no, yeah, pointing at me right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, not that. Really, really. All right. So good. I wanted to have the audio conversation about online gaming. Let's talk about why I thought the session was so garbage and it's my fault. Hook, hooking the players. I, I just I had the hardest time getting you guys hooked into this. So so guys, well, with the benefit of hindsight, you know what? It's shame on me. I, I work's been crazy lately. I've I've been saying that, and it's been true. But I haven't wanted to stop gaming. That's the whole point of running a campaign around these one sheets. Is it should be minimal prep. I came home from work. I had you know I had some quick dinner. I read through the one sheet. I went to get started, and I hadn't adequately thought through. For a game that centers on a on a radio disc jockey, how do you make a bunch of college kids want to go investigate a radio station? It was easy. Yeah, you made it easy. Have you, you, one you of killed them, it for me. Have one of them be a conservative hardliner. <laughs> Who the character was written to grow up to be a conservative talk show pundit. Yes. So you, you just lucked out. 
It worked out. And well, and you also have, you personally, Brian, had that amazing background in radio where that's literally your first job. Yeah, I did it for 16 years. Yeah, and, and you did it for years, even when you, you had two careers for a long time, where we work now and the radio station. So thank God one of my players saved me. But despite the fun that you had, Brian, and, and Mike, you said once things that go and you had fun too, I really think Nathan and Chris had a pretty rough time. I do too. I would agree with that. So I, I need to do better. So, so answer the question. How do I how do I get better at hooking you guys? So I think so far our Savage World game has two significant flaws in it. One is it uh, one of them is 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 that these these one pager sheets don't really seem to have a hook or any idea for how to hook players into it because this is not the first time we've encountered this. This seems to be a repeating cause where we have trouble getting started on these one sheets. I think the other thing we have going for it is that we're we're doing these eight sessions in the scope of four years and nothing happens or changes with our players between session to session, right? So we're we're looking at very static player Ooh, static static pieces in these, you know, characters that should be dynamic, but our characters don't really feel dynamic. I mean, like I think we all grow and develop, especially during there's certain times of our lives when we would when we do it. But even if you look at me now compared to me four years ago, when it comes to like core beliefs and stuff, I've cha- I mean, I'm in my 30s. I'm nearly 40. Yeah. And things that I believe have changed quite a bit. But it's, and as a college student, you would expect that you would be exposed to different ideas. You might cha- decide you want to change majors. There's a lot of things that could happen. But yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really playing it that way. Yeah. So you're saying you almost reject the premise of the game, which is the premise of the game is that every session takes place on either a winter break or a spring break, because assumably, uh, presumably that's when your characters would have time to go on an adventure. So um, you, you reject the premise of that to say you would change too much and you're not reflecting that. Or are you saying we should reflect the changes more? I think we should reflect the changes more. But then the hard yeah. part of that is, is we all have to do homework and we have to come up with this is what happened to my character during the semester. This is this is now what I think. This is something significant that happened since the last game that now should have an impact on how my character operates. What if we made a table of random crap that happens to college kids? Yes. And I'm and I, at the beginning of the session we rolled it. Yes, I like that, dude. If one of us got like VD, uh, that would be great. <laughs> it's gonna be you. It's probably gonna be me. Yeah, so so I probably wouldn't put that on there, <laughs> but you know, heartbreak certainly. Um, you know, a, a, a very recent terrible financial decision that's left you broke. Uh, I don't know any any number of things. Dude, a falling out with one or more parents. Dude, what if my dad lost the dealership? Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> Actually, fa- you know, a falling out in the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that this idea. That happens in college. That happens, man. I, I think this is a good idea. I think this may be something we... Do, do you think you could maybe implement this before our next session? Before Thursday? Sure. Yeah. I think uh, so. I say let's do it. All right. So so that'll be interesting. So of the two problems, the hook problem still remains. Yep. So for the next adventure, I am going to fix that. And I say fix. Again, we're not calling out the authors of the one sheets. Right. It's really more... It's, frankly, Mike, it's more my prep because you haven't read any any of the one sheets. You don't know it's there or not there. You just know that I'm doing a crappy job of implementing it. So 
let me i'm really gonna focus on the hook next game and we'll see what happens okay i'm gonna do my best to bring the adventure to you all right so mike you may you, you alluded to something that i actually have here in the show notes which is once it got going did it get better yes it absolutely got better um I, I almost feel like this one was, it was much less figuring out what was going on, right? Because it's pretty obvious from the beginning what was going on and then focused more on to, into resolution. And then in trying to get that resolution, we generated a whole bunch of conflict, which I think moved the game along. But yeah, I think the hardest part was getting all four of us in the radio station at the same time. Yeah, that was that was a challenge. And I'll be honest. Nathan, I know you listen, and I, and I love you, buddy, but one of the players made it a little more of a challenge than, like, he specifically went his own way. and But even with him, I, I gave him a little, I, I took it, like, all right, fair enough. If that's how you're going to RP it, then fair enough. And I gave him, you know, the broadcast in the pizza barn, and I gave him Maggie, giving him a pretty strong lead, there's something fishy's going on, to get him over to you guys. And, and eventually he got there. But I did a bad job overall, so, so Nathan, I'm... I called you out for, you know, going your own way a bit. Uh, slight problem, not a huge problem. And fair enough in the context of the game. Bigger problem for me is I need to make sure the next adventure really engages you and Chris. Because I think this campaign and this game in particular, this game became the Mike and Brian show. Yeah. yeah. Because, Brian, your character did a bang-up job of, of engaging with the whole radio show, radio station thing. Because you personally know your way around those 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 things, and then Tad, Tad Mike, I love this Mike playing Tad. <laughs> you killed it with the station manager who was sweet on him, sweet on you. Yeah, because you're you're the rich you're the son of the rich guy in town, and you've been in there a lot. You you came up with that randomly. I love that where Tad, you know, Tad to record all the radio ads. He's been in the radio station a lot, and I was like, dude, fair enough. Didn't I call in a favor with my dad, too, to get yes. him the internship? He, he did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did. Okay. He did. Yeah. So yeah. You, you leveraged that part of your background. But because you two, when I failed to hook you, you two stepped up and got hooked. You saved the game. The two of you saved the game. But then the game turned into the Mike and Brian show. Yeah. yeah. I had a hard time trying to figure out, well, okay, I don't want to go too far into the game, but uh, there was a red herring. Yeah. And trying to figure out how... The red herring um, related to who actually ended up being the the villain was a little bit rough. And I, I blame that on the the one sheet because... Uh, remind me what the red herring was. You're probably not going to spoil anything because I don't think there's a red herring in the one sheet. Oh, there's... Okay, so... It might have just been me. Okay, so the guy who is saying the things on the radio, who's making people do uh, what he is commanding, yeah. um, there was something else at play creating the supernatural um yes yeah yeah the supernatural part around that that i it was it was a little hard for me to um understand how or why that was happening and then how then how to resolve it because i didn't want to uh make that a physical confrontation but we kind of did we, we kind of had to yeah and i kind of felt i felt bad about it almost in a dusk kind of way because i felt that i had that i had to Actually, not me so, so let's, much. Let's, 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 so, so, it, it, Let, let's just be frank for the audience. Okay. okay. So, so, and I'll, I'll take it if you want. Okay. Basically, the problem, the antagonist you discovered yes. was the young woman yes. running a competing show 
who who and I'm giving away the one sheet. So if you ever think your GM's going to run shock jock for you, then stop listening in three, two, one. So she had cursed his microphone. And when you finally figured that out and you cornered her, you guys were self-aware enough to say, wait, wait, was wait, Was that wait, part wait. of the one sheet? You cornering her? No, the, mic- the, microphone. the microphone. Yes, totally. Okay. That doesn't make any sense from a radio perspective. No, it doesn't. Because you would never go in and swap out your microphone. No, you wouldn't. But um, The swapping out the microphone, maybe it was in the one sheet. I think it was. But like, I felt that after we figured out that she was the person who you was- know, It might not. It may, maybe the one sheet relied on the fact that he had his personal studio. Poss- okay, that would, make, mm, that would make sense. Okay. I, think, I think that's what it relied on. Okay. But I was trying to give you guys clues- to direct you away from him and it being any intent on his part and toward her. So, like, here's the thing. like, But here's the thing that made you awkward. Yes. Because we didn't get to that. The thing that made you awkward was when you realized that the antagonist was the young was the young woman with the competing show, you four guys, guys, yeah. male, yeah. male humans, had to corner this female. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, that made you guys, frankly, uncomfortable outside the game. Yes. It really did. I believe the statement was actually made to me is... Does your character want to actually do this? Does he want to be that guy? And I think I was a little bit frustrated at that point, so I was just like, "Yeah, let let's do it. I'll pay the consequences." And we, there was no, it was not a, no physical confrontation. There was no physical, but no. we did take we did forcibly take the microphone from her. Yep. And I tried to put in. I tried to um, insert like uh, a get or something where it's like, "Hey, after we uncurse this, we will give this back to you." Yeah. Uh, and it's like I don't want it. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> So I love talking about this because it brings up what I think is another problem, I guess, not for everyone, but certainly for us. When you role play in modern times, yeah, in real life, you just call the cops. Yeah. yeah. For, for a lot of quote unquote adventures that would happen. Now, in ETU, you can't call the cops because the cops are worthless. Yeah. But. Which we, we tried that. Which, yeah, you tried that and they are worthless. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's probably, that's one of the points of the session. Is is that the cops are don't not not getting involved in anything supernatural because they want to live, um, and they've learned that's a survival trait. But whenever you role play in the modern world, Brian, all of a sudden, you know, kicking down the door and cutting people up with swords, it's one thing to cut up goblins that are really easy to dehumanize because hey, they're not human. Yeah, yeah. But make the villain a young woman and yeah. put her in a modern context, and you're trying to physically restrain her from leaving so that you can question her. All of a sudden, things get a little too real. Yeah, a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and again, take take us back fifty or sixty years. Probably would be a lot easier to do that. But again, um, us today, modern sensibilities, mm, can't do it. Yep. For you to be able to have fun in a modern adventure, does that imply that you need to be deputized? That you need to have some authority from which to draw your? I hadn't even considered that. Like, is that something that would help you guys role no, play more? No, because even if I were deputized, I would still feel bad about that. I am trying to break away from being the cop, Dusty. <laughs> trying. Sure. I was trying to say, I'm like, like, rather than you being four random dudes, you know, trying to uh, set what, things right what and was make this, your way in the what world. Was, was it Princeton where they did the study where the, the guys dressed yes. up as prison guards? Yep. Uh, like, and people, they, pe- the people who are the prison guards turn into terrible people. Like, I would like... Wow. I would like to think that I wouldn't do that, but I'm human. But like, I'm not. Yeah, remember, this. the point of that was that any of us could exactly. fall prey. To any that. Ex- exactly. Any of us could fall prey to dehumanizing other people very easily. Yeah, yeah. that was the point. I'm, of that unco- I'm uncomfortable with that idea because this 
this idea that I have that's me, uh, like the idea of my own personal self-identity wouldn't do that. But I fully realize that in the right circumstance, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let me make you feel better about that. That same experimenter, I forget his name. I honestly do. And I'm not going to look it up right now because I want to break the flow of the show. He did a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the Stanford prison experiment. And he talked about the fact that he proved it. He, he had to end the experiment early because he proved yeah. that, that any he randomly separated out the guards from the prisoners. And he proved that it's really easy for the guards to dehumanize the prisoners very quickly. I think he's one of the same guys that did the experiment where he had an actor on the, the other side of the wall. And the supposed electroshocks yeah. got, yeah, I think it's the same guy. Well, he had kind of a crisis, a personal crisis after he had to stop the experiment. And apparently one of the students made him stop and he wound up marrying her because, and then he got really interested in her and he started being really interested in, okay, let me flip my research. Let me stop researching how terrible, how easy it is for people to be terrible. And let me start researching what makes some people stand up and say no. And I think he called it the hero gene. Hmm. But it, there's a he that guy, if you look up Stanford Prison Experiment, find his name. He does a TED talk about this notion of, of heroes among us and what makes them different. Uh, that's really, really good and it'll make you feel more positive. Cool. So you, you can you can think about role playing um what's your character's name? Tat no. Oh Alex. Alex. Oh, Alex. That's yeah. right, Tad and Alex. Um, you can start role playing Alex as as one of those quote unquote heroes with the hero gene. So, so maybe maybe the other answer to it too, right? Instead of deputizing us, is is trying to find a way to make sure when we have conflict, it's it's with that supernatural element and and not as much the human element, right? So, if you, I don't know how I can stop that. If you have to make them peel off a mask and be like, "Ha ha, I'm the demon," oh, but now you can shoot me in the face. But that's me dehumanizing our force. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So here's I'm the thing. okay with. Was I? I was uncomfortable, but you know what? It's also novel to be in the situation to be uncomfortable. Yeah, that's true. Because there's zero risk involved. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's I like the idea point. that she got away. Yeah. You weren't comfortable completely stopping, and you had no authority right. to completely stop her. Right, right. So her, by the way, let me just tell you guys, Julia, yeah, the 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 female, in the one sheet, it's not Julia. It was it was a it was a young woman named Hannah McCoy, who had never previously been encountered in the one sheets before. But I'm trying to turn these one sheets into a campaign, yeah, where I'm reusing characters, and I am using Julia and I'm using Maggie. Maggie only appeared in the one adventure. I'm using those two to be through lines, so that you have some standard and it's not not standard. I want you to have some through-line NPCs through the entire game. That's smart. And if every session, it's a bunch of new names, then there's nothing to engage with. So yeah. it, it's, and getting into the RPing part, like, I have never hit on anybody in my life. You know, I'm just lucky that women have thrown themselves at me. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you are a married man. I married Somehow man. I got married. Somehow I got married. <laughs> but, uh, but I, like, my character, Alex, has hit on both of these ladies, <laughs> yeah. and I actually, like, I enjoy playing this guy who's sort of this uh, hyper-masculine, you know, on the surface, uh, meathead, but there's a little more to him below the surface, so. Yeah, you're, you're playing the good jock yes. trope, like, not... Not Johnny from Karate Kid, which, no. oh my God, I'm looking forward to the Cobra Kai series. <laughs> Not Johnny from the Karate Kid, but like the trope of the jock who's actually a good guy. Yeah. That's what you're playing. Yeah, exactly. The 80s, you know, attractive, full of himself, 
But he does the right thing in the end. But he does the right thing in the end. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, so the NPCs, you found those engaging. The role play was good. Once we got going, it got better. We talked a little bit about the ending already, frankly. Is is, is I love the idea that Julia is still going to be out there for your next adventure. Yep. And the adventure after that, the adventure after that. I like. I love this notion of of NPCs that carry over from one session to the next. That's what makes a campaign is that continuity. She's almost the she she Julia is almost the anti Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. I think she has absolutely become the the primary antagonist of our campaign at this point, right? This is the first time in this campaign where we've been able to put a label on a person that says this person is specifically I think she, dangerous. I think she. I think she. she yes, she has the potential to be yeah. like being the antagonist in one campaign doesn't make her the primary antagonist. Like we, what, who knows what a rogues gallery looks like in True. the end? True. But she has the potential to be. We foiled her plot, we so did. it would make sense for her to become primary yeah we'll see though all right so lessons learned here number one i need to get better at hooking you guys i need to bring the adventure to you and asking you guys to find the adventure is not fair even though the two of you crushed it it just wasn't fair to nathan and chris so even though you crushed it i can't use that as a crutch to say well it was okay because nathan and chris really had a hard time with this game and, and rightfully so so Again, first lesson is I've, I've got to hook the players more. Uh, another lesson is good RP can save a session. Yeah. Good RP by the characters. If I would have tried to step in and limit that or stop that, then a lot of the magic that we did squeeze out of this session would have been lost. So good RP can, can save a session. Um, Mike. If you play a campaign, well, this is a long lesson. Like if you with conditional, I don't like I don't like lessons with conditional statements up front. But if you're playing a campaign where you, or a lot of time is meant to pass, in cinema they indicate that with a fade out. Yeah. Like you know, a smash cut is instant, but a fade and a fade in indicates that you know it's the next day or whatever. And it's just this visual language. We need an RPG language for time passing, and I think a random table of major life events that have happened to you since the last game could be fair enough. We could just call it the exposition table. Oh. Yeah, I like it. So fair enough. I wish we I wish there was some visual indicator to this that we could like if we were doing roll twenty, uh the next game Alex would come and he would have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like that. And then and then how does that work because it's only in his sophomore year. By the time senior year rolls around he looks like the dude. Yeah, something like that. Long hair, long beard. <laughs> well, he's, he's... so well, I mean, so I guess he, uh, no, because, no, because Alex is the hyper conservative guy. He, he would look more like Magnum PI. He, he, yeah, probably more like Magnum PI, but he would he would his hair would be a little uh, straighter cut. Do we have any thoughts on the system of Savage Worlds? I'm ambivalent towards it at this point. Yeah, did me we, too. Did we play around it in this session? We did. We did. We absolutely did. Wait, so I, where, I still don't think I've ever actually used a mini yet. Yeah, yeah. where I think in Pathfinder, like where Pathfinder is a standard D20 system, we got into that and we sort of played around with how how little it was different than D&D, but how it was different. And we got into it and we were comfortable with it. I have not developed a comfort level with Savage Worlds as of yet. I, I think it's just not quite different enough. L5R was so different when we played with Tanner, and because it was so different, we wrapped our minds around it. Yeah. Yep. But this is just similar enough where we're rolling a few dice, and and it's it's just similar enough that I think it, it, it's still it's still confusing. Still. Oh yeah. Yeah. Although our session two was great, session three not so great. 
I need to I need to step it up for session four, and I'm and I'm going to do that. And you know what? By God, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you. We're going to have some combat. Damn it. <laughs> we we have avoided pretty much most. We're going to fight monsters. Awesome. I can't run a game based on the monster squad if you guys talk your way out of every situation. <laughs> to, to, to our point goals. last time we talked about Savage Worlds, last time you said, is this a CW show? You know what? I said no at the time. I should have said yes. It's turning into one. <laughs> All right. I think that's uh, RPG Lessons Learned this week. Aside from episode 51 and one more episode, it will have been a year, a year of this. Brian, when we recorded that very first one, did you think we had a year in us? I hope that we had a year in us, realistically, because I never want to take on a project, especially a podcast project that doesn't have legs. And if a project, if a podcast can't make it, 50 or 100 episodes i don't want to do it but you've started a lot of podcasts yeah how many of those have died in early death several or not that many not that many like i have i have one podcast that i that's on break because it's a lot of work and i've only got a few episodes under my belt but it has a it has a finite limit it it, at most it's only going to have like 30 episodes but i stopped a lot of podcasts that just eventually eventually died a normal death but most of them were in the 100 plus or 200 plus episode range wow yeah i hope we'll be there someday uh, i think we will yeah. i feel really confident that we have a lot more to say i agree we have a lot more to say now i think the format's going to change because just so those of you listening at home know i mean we're kind of running out of games to talk about in our very last episode we we had one episode on two sessions for two Mephores, we had one episode on three sessions. And we've played a lot of RPGs. We really have. And, and we and I play, I actively play in four games right now. But I don't have that much, you know, different to say about the sessions. But I do want to come up with some new episode formats. I want to really highlight the lessons going forward. Once we, once we kind of finish recapping things out, I think there's some different formats we can play with to still be a useful podcast and to still do our shtick of applying specific lessons learned from specific events. But uh, I think we have another year in us at least. I think we have possibly an infinite number of episodes in us because we keep playing. We had kind of an existential conversation recently about when do we think we'll stop playing RPGs? I want that to be an episode. Want that to be an episode? That's going to be an episode. Okay, we're not going to break into that then. All right, so next episode, episode 52. We are, it's going to be a, a, a post-mortem of, of our first year of our first fiscal year of RPGLL. It's going to be a, a look forward. It's going to be some crystallized lessons that we've learned about the podcast, but also about RPGs. Uh, it's 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 going to be kind of a look back and a look forward. So looking forward to having that conversation with these guys. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned. And we're sharing ours with you.